All right, welcome back into Mining Stock Daily, everybody. Trevor Hall here. We're welcoming in a new company for an introduction. Uh, we're actually going to talk rare earths. Uh, obviously, they have uh, hit the news here in the last few years uh, since uh, the Inflation Reduction Act had put a number of critical minerals into a critical list uh, for exploration production into the resource supply chain. So we're going to welcome in American Rare Earth CEO Donald Swartz for this introduction. Uh, Donald, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be a guest. I've been a long-time listener of the podcast, so uh, it'll be weird to hear myself on the other side. <laughs> uh, yeah, and not too distant. As you you and I, well, you work in the almost basically the same neighborhood where I live and work as well. So it's nice to have you on. Um, you know, we got to do this online, unfortunately, as I'm immobile. But uh, I, I'm glad to get this introduction because you're, you're, you have a number of projects within the portfolio. But Hallett Creek is really that bread and butter flagship project, which is up in Wyoming. So just north of us here, uh, it does have, I know, I think it's got some historic work on it. So this is not a new project by any means. So it, it's well into its development stage. So maybe just give us that 30,000 foot view here, Donald, of American Rare Earth, the Hallett Project, and really the work that you've accomplished in the last year. Yeah. So historically speaking, American Rare Earth was, uh, was, was, an Australian exploration company for all intents and purposes up until around August of last year. So I joined in August. Uh, Jose Rico joined me. He's the CFO. He came over from my uh, resource capital funds downtown Denver. And then uh, Joe Evers, uh, who I, I had worked with in the past um, at Westmoreland, he was at Occidental Petroleum. So Joe joined the team also around August. So that that conventional uh, flip of the switch from exploration into into development, and really a lot of that was around the Hallett Creek project. Um, so Hallett Creek's the flagship, uh, about two hours north of the Denver Airport on I-25, kind of up uh, Wheatland, Wyoming, uh, halfway between Wheatland and Laramie. Uh, we do have a couple other projects in the portfolio, but really our focus right now is Hallett Creek. But I'm, I'm happy to mention uh, Searchlight is is a, pro- a project out in Nevada. Uh, pretty close to Mountain Pass. And then uh, La Paz is a project in Arizona that's it's more of a Scandium focus. Um, but right now, uh, really with uh, kind of the dominoes that have been tipping over, uh, Halleck Creek is, is certainly the focus of the management team. And, and really, uh, I think that was evident with, with the capital raise we did last week. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, we're going to pencil that capital raise here because this does actually have a resource on it. Hallett Creek does. Uh, uh, it's uh, two point three four billion tons, so it's not a small project. Uh, at three thousand one hundred ninety six parts per million total rare earth oxides, uh, using a one thousand parts per million cutoff there. Uh, so, listen, Donald, I wonder if you can give us a little bit of a uh, learning experience here as we're typically only focused on on the precious and base metals. When, how do we kind of make sense of what, obviously, grade means when you're talking about TRIO? Yeah, well, it's, this is the easiest way I can kind of think about it. So if you take that uh, that total resource number and then apply it to what I would call magnetics, so the neodymium, praseodymium, terbium, and dysprosium. So this project's a little bit different in the sense of it, it has lights and heavies. And, and the scoping study is going to come out in March that kind of puts the project economics and kind of puts a bow on everything and explains it all. So happy to, uh, to come back and chat. Then 
But so if you think about uh, the, the worldwide market for neodymium and praseodymium oxide, so that's that's kind of the NDPR that people are familiar with out at Mountain Pass in California. Uh, the worldwide market for that is about, let's call it plus or minus 60,000 tons. So if you're used to bulk commodities like iron or something else, it's, you know, it's, it's very different where you're selling things in, in dollars per kilogram rather than dollars per ton. So, but it, to kind of talk about the strategic importance of the resource and what the art of the possible might be, you're talking about 1.8 million tons equivalent of magnetic rares, where the, the worldwide market is 60,000 tons. So, you know, my focus has, since I've come in, has kind of been on project execution and proving out the metallurgy and what works. And I know your specific question was around grade. So let me kind of explain that. Um, there was work that we had done through an RD program with Lawrence Livermore and, uh, and DARPA. So DARPA is the Department of Defense group that did like stealth technology and the internet. Um, so very technically credible folks. And then the neat thing and really what attracted me to the project and why I said yes was I looked at the grade and I said, well, how's this going to work? Um, and it just so happens that if, if you're familiar with lithium or coal, there's a lot of gravity separation or, or dense media work where you're using a very low cost technology that's been tried and true over the years with spirals. So we can crush brine. Well, when I say, let me start back, the mining there is, is sort of zero strip ratio. So think of a strip, strip uh, like a quarry, uh, where your, your, your mining costs are like a couple of dollars a ton, you're crushing and grinding it. But the, the great thing about the mineralization here is that it's, it's a silicate and it's, it, we can separate it with gravity-based technology to what I would say pre-concentrate the ore. So what we what we published and what we when we really started to get that aha moment is we can pre-concentrate that let's call the mine plant about 4,000 uh, ppm. You can concentrate that at a 12 to 1 ratio. So now what you're actually hitting the leach in the processing plant with is about 4.8 percent, uh, you know, four to five percent, which is like very similar to Mountain Pass or Linus to kind of I would say the, the big industrial players in the metallurgical space or in the in the rarer space, uh, but with the front end being just so homogenous and so low cost, where um, the inputs are so low, and then you're you're rejecting ninety three percent of the gang, and you're only having to direct leach about seven percent of the ore body. So that's really what mm -hmm. makes the project in, in in our minds attractive. Okay. I, I, I do want to ask you about economics here because uh, that always is kind of the linchpin of rare earth projects in the West to kind of gain traction or not. Uh, this, I've, I've, there's a number of rare earth projects that I've tried to do some due diligence on. Uh, my first <laughs> my first question for those management teams is, well, what is the price of so-and-so, whatever rare earth they're going after? And if I cannot get a clear answer, then it's hard for anybody to go out and do their own due diligence, create the economics in their own head and on paper to really create that investment thesis here. Uh, so how do we go about kind of looking at economics for such a project such as Hallett Creek? I mean, why is this economic in your mind? What prices can you use? Uh, and then really, what are the challenges with the global market, which is incredibly small? Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you how I went about it uh, as I've come in. So you know, we've been We've been on the job six plus months, and uh, you know, I'm proud to say that we're we're certainly by an overwhelming margin the best performing rare earth stock in the world. Um, and and 
The reason is, I think, what the answer is I'm about to give you of how we've kind of looked at this. Uh, so it's not just us. So Stantec is the independent mining consultant that did uh, the NSR calcs on the economics. And we published the, the updated Jork resource, I guess, early February. It's kind of been a whirlwind. And in, in, uh, in part of that, part and parcel, was the development plan around how to develop the mine, how to put the economics together, and they kind of came out with, uh, with the NSR calc. So I can't tell you the exact dollar per kilogram and everything because we're going we're gonna to report that and we haven't disclosed it. That's going to come out in the scope and study in March. But what I can say is they, they put the, uh, the, the cutoff grade down to 1,000 parts per million. And in the most recent uh, drilling campaign, we came back with you know, something closer to 4,000 parts per million. And we'll obviously put the mine plan in high, uh, you know, highest grade material to start with. I think uh, really the focus on this team since we've come in is actually to look at state and private land. And, and you know, I hear other guests kind of talk about uh, permitting reform and you know how difficult it is to do things. And we're very blessed that some of our highest grade material and most advantageous like infrastructure and read one of the mine plan is on state and private land, which we can kind of permit the same as the Copper King gold mine is done up in up by Cheyenne and uh, kind of use their strip. So we've, we've kind of laid all this development plan together of uh, how to go about it. And we certainly feel like this is, this is actually a really good time to do it because what you saw is a lot of rare earth projects just kind of hit a wall. They were very CapEx intensive because the pricing around the commodity was so high at the time. So this is this market of inflationary capex and low commodity prices has made us look at how we can miniaturize things and sort of go in in a, hmm. in a small scale into a small market and then you have a tremendous resource so as you as you you can put modular like kind of lego blocks around the plant and grow and scale over time and get those economies of scale but really the focus for us has been how small can we make it so that way it has you know a reasonable expectation to get built and kind of move along but that expedited permitting timeline is was a, is a huge thing for us yeah uh doesn't the state have a royalty uh on any state project we do and uh the interesting thing there is when they when they put it together um Rare earths were were not contemplated as as a thing if you go back when the original leases were put together you know they're they're not there so there's there's a lot that you yeah. know, we have to uh, we have to undertake with the state in terms of how that's going to get ultimately uh, reacted and and contemplated. But I would say that if I came out of coal and uranium and uh, and royalty rate reductions and those kind of things are pretty commonplace in Wyoming. But uh, even even now it's not uh, it's not uh, detrimental. I mean certainly when you're talking about doing something yeah. in two years instead of ten plus years, it's, it's very advantageous. Uh, how far off are you? F I want to ask you about infrastructure. How far off are you from Interstate 25 that connects, you know, Colorado to Laramie? Maybe 20, maybe 20 minutes from from I-25. Okay. Um, you know, you you've okay. got really low low power costs in that part of the state. Um, you know, power, water. Uh, you're right off. You know, the BNSF runs through Wheatland. Uh, the Union Pacific runs right. through Laramie. Um, so power, water, and I think most importantly, like if you you mentioned the Inflation Reduction Act, so the area is one of those hatched areas that Manchin had put in for disadvantaged coal communities. So you, you've got skilled workforce, you know, all the mining equipment and people that need to have things to do as coal is kind of in this big decline in Wyoming, uh, permitting expertise, um, 
you see rare earth projects that pop up in like Malawi or Tanzania. Um, we really like the fact that it's in Wyoming um, because of A, you're in a mining friendly jurisdiction where the government's supportive of what you're doing, two, the workforce, and, and then three, uh, just the infrastructure. Okay. Uh, I do want to ask you kind of about this uh, sentiment towards rare earths now. Um, you know, obviously there's a little bit of more wind behind the sails uh, for projects such as these now, but it also comes with this challenge given it's very niche uh, uh, market globally. Uh, China obviously still is a massive player in producing rare earths. And uh, we currently aren't seeing any sort of I don't know, uh, pushback against uh, a getting our supply, the supply we need from China by any given means. So kind of talk about both uh, the positive sentiment, uh, but also the challenges that lie ahead for this very obscure industry. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a 30 plus year uh, problem that's been created um, I think General Motors sold <laughs> the, the Magnet IP back in the late 80s. And China has really taken this really strategic approach to this. Uh, the way I would I would say, Trevor, that you should think about it is that China doesn't, much like France doesn't want to sell you the grapes, they want to sell you the wine. That's the way China has looked at this industry. They 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 see the strategic importance of it, and they they no longer want to sell you graphite, germanium, gallium, uh, rare earths. They want to sell you the BYDs. Um, and uh, push the value further down the value chain and, and effectively subsidize this market. So it, it is it is not like even cobalt or lithium or copper where there is a ex-China market. I mean, the prices for this market presently are, are printed by Chinese state agencies. Uh, they kind of rolled up the industry during COVID and forced consolidation and closed artisanal mines and, and have a stranglehold on it. So the way I think about it is I feel like change is inevitable. From a strategic point of view, if you think back to like the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict where you had something happen and then half the world wanted to detach from Russian energy, well, if something would happen, let's say with China, there's no way for us to detach. Uh, it's, it's, it's a strategic and, and critical weakness, right? There, there isn't right. another processing option where you can kind of get this stuff. So you are seeing the United States and Europe broadly starting to stand up the downstream side of things like the magnet manufacturing, the metal metallization alloying. And, and, you know, I think that kind of comes in that 27 to 30 timeframe. And this project is, is, I think the only North American project that has a reasonable likelihood of getting up and going in that same time period when the deficit really hits kind of the growth in and around this is going to come with uh, EVs and, uh, in kind of the wind development and uh, robotics mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. But it's, it's very ironic that it's this whole sustainability push, but the whole, the whole industry in which it's built on is not sustainable. Like it just can't keep going the way it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, it's interesting about geopolitical sanctions. I mean, we just got word this week that, or late last week that, uh, there was more sanctions placed on Russia, but their metals markets, specifically nickel and aluminum, were not on those sanctions because obviously it's very important for those countries to continue to get that supply. So, I mean, there is there is there is a breaking point 
at some point, uh, specifically in the metals sector. So, uh, Donald, thanks so much for your introduction. Uh, hopefully we can touch base again and continue to follow this project very closely as obviously it's, uh, you know, a hop, skip and a jump here from both of us. So thanks so much for your time. Sure. And if uh, I'm headed up to PDAC next week, so if any of the listeners want to say hi, they can uh, they can track me down. All right. Very good. Uh, that is your introduction to American Rare Earths, everybody. They have an ASX listi- listing. That symbol is ARR. They also have an OTCQX listing here in the U.S. with AMRRY. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.